Hey there, Ralph Garman here. Thanks so much for checking out this free Monday edition of The Ralph Report. If you like what you hear, do me a favor. Subscribe to The Ralph Report so we can put some fun in your ears five days a week. And we're not just here on Mondays. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday as well. And you can listen for as little as $3 a month. So subscribe today so you don't miss out on any of the fun. Go to patreon.com slash The Ralph Report and sign up. Welcome to The Ralph Report with Ralph Garman. Well, hey there, boys and girls. Welcome to The Ralph Report for a Monday. It is January 21st. So glad that you're with us today. I am your podcast pal, Ralph Garman. Sitting mere feet away from me here in the Batcave is your vice host, Mr. Eddie Pence. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us on a Monday. For all you uh, folks out there who aren't football fans, you might indulge us for a couple minutes while we talk about yesterday's games. It was a wild weekend in the NFL, both AFC and NFC Championship games going to overtime. Yeah, first time it's ever happened. First time in the history of the league that's happened. Crazy. Made for some exciting football. It did. Football I didn't want the outcomes of, but... It- <laughs> Football. You didn't want the uh, I, the Rams to beat the Saints? I, I didn't mind the Rams. I, was, I didn't want to see the Patriots again. Yeah, I really well, didn't want to see the Patriots. Nobody does except for Patriots fans. Oh, my God. And everyone said, oh, you're a Patriot hater. Everyone except for Patriots <laughs> fans is a Patriot hater. Yeah, exactly. There is no there's middle no, ground. No, no one feels neutrally towards uh, the Patriots. Uh, I really wanted to see the Chiefs in there. I wanted to see Me Mahomes. Me too, so badly. I want to see a rematch of that Rams-Chiefs game where they both scored 50 points. It would have been a better game than the Super Bowl is going to be now. Yeah, Patriots going to murder him. Although I'm rooting for the Rams. The Patriots going to kill him. I don't think it's going to be a really good game. Belichick's going to make golf think he's playing in yeah, know. his head's going to spin. Yeah, it? it's going to explode. Anyway, so it was a big weekend in uh, pro football, and uh, here we go. Now we got two weeks. Two weeks. We'll just get the Pro Bowl next week. Let's stop it. Super exciting. We got two weeks of hearing, oh, Tom Brady, oh, Bill Belichick, blah, 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 blah. Eight straight AFC championship games. The lead up to the Super Bowl is almost unbearable. Yeah. All the hype and all, it the, doesn't uh, ever... and all the minuscule factoids that become for some reason yeah. stories and they run out of things to talk about about three days into the press except last year you were loving every minute of it i wasn't really <laughs> you I, weren't i got Seriously? kind of fed up of the hype i didn't really want to hear any more about the hype after the about game. a week yeah i was ready to play the game because it doesn't do any service to the underdog really no it just makes you more nervous you know and a team like philadelphia hadn't been in it in i don't know 30 years or something i don't think it did them any good but Ended up not mattering at the end. <laughs> I don't know if you would know what happened to last no, year's Super we know. Bowl. We, please don't I play need to play this no, song? No, please don't right. play this All right, song. Please. Anyway, so that's what happened yesterday. Today... <laughs> We got a brand new show for you. Some of your phone calls, some really good ones today, by the way. We got all the entertainment news, of course. And then the kickoff of my interview with a terrific lady and a super talent. Her name is Susan Eisenberg. You may not know the name, but if you are a fan at all of the animated Justice League TV series or Justice League Unlimited, so much, then you know her, of course, as Wonder Woman. So we'll be talking to her this week as my special celebrity guest. I'm working my way through the Justice League. (laughs) I had Phil Lamar, who was Green Green Lantern, Lantern, of course, and now I've got Wonder Woman. So (laughs) one by one, I'm I'm mounting them on my mantle like trophies. (laughs) So we'll see who else I can get. Anyway, let's kick the show off the way we do almost every episode by taking and listen to your voicemails. You can reach me or Eddie in several ways. You can write us, of course, at our email addresses, ralph at the ralphreport.com or eddie 
at theralphreport.com. You can tweet us, of course. I'm yeah. at Ralph Garman on Twitter. Eddie is at Eddie Pence. And then, of course, there are the voicemails. You can leave a voicemail for me 24 hours a day, seven days a week at the Ralph Report hotline. That is 1-833. Hi, Ralph. <laughs> I listen to each and every voicemail. I don't necessarily play every one of them, but I do hear them. So thanks so much to everybody who reaches out. It's very entertaining to hear from you guys. It's time for a segment we call The Garmies on the Line. The telephone is ringing. The Garmies on the line. Ralph's going to play your calls now and see what's on your mind. First up is Miguel. Miguel represents a great many of you out there in the Garmin who were trying to reach out to me on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, yesterday. All of you folks letting me know that I made an appearance on the TNT oh, yeah. NBA coverage. I saw that. And then again on the Daily, Daily Show. Show yeah. Here's Miguel talking about it. Hey, Ralph. Miguel from San Jose here. Uh, you probably got some other calls on it, but your face was on the Daily Show and apparently... Uh, ESPN yesterday TNT. for the Thursday show. It turns out that they were using that celebrity face lookalike profile thingy, and your face popped up as one of the anchors. It was freaking random to see that on TV. All right, yeah, apparently they were doing the twinning app yep. where you, uh, you post a picture of yourself, and then it uh, says some algorithm that compares you to celebrities, and it tells you what percentage you share with any given celebrity. Right. And somehow, mistakenly, I got put in their celebrity <laughs> database because they were doing somebody on the staff there at the TNT, the show with Charles Barkley and all the guys who right. cover the NBA there, and one of their workers, I popped up. It looks like you. It looked like me. And well, they showed that when they were showing it on TNT, and then they recapped that on The Daily Show because Charles Barkley apparently got uh, shared most of his looks with Trevor Noah, and then a white guy also shared most of his looks with Trevor Noah, which made Trevor Noah very upset. But they showed me on that as well. Well, so, would you look like you if you did the twenty nap then, since you're I, in the database? I can imagine if I put yourself? my face up there that I would probably be matched up with myself. You would think. Or John Henson. Or uh, Adam Levine. Not Adam Levine. Divine. Uh, uh, Adam Divine. Adam Divine, yeah. So uh, those are the three guys I probably would share the most <laughs> with. I guess it's, it would be an interesting... Uh, experiment yeah i wonder who you'd get i have no idea well we should do it this week and see who we well, come up with it might be tempting fate we might not like the results but uh it might be worth doing anyway thanks to everybody who tweeted and emailed and, and, and left voicemail messages i i did go back and i did find it and i caught myself and it's my fleeting moment of fame That's there on the funny. daily show as i went by uh, <laughs> speaking of last week uh, i feel so bad you remember the day the fateful day where you talked about how you loved fake Newtons. Yeah. And I told everyone within earshot to bet against the fake right, Newton right. because I know how you feel about fruit and pastry. And it's not a, I'm not a fruit dessert person. It makes no huh? goddamn sense still, <laughs> still to me in this day. Well, I made some people very unhappy really? and some people very poor, apparently. Hi, Ralph. My name is Edgardo, and I've been a listener since the beginning. I was all in when betting on Eddie's eating habits finally became legal. I've taken a great amount of notes and analyzed all of your advice on where I should place my bets. I've listened time after time and slowly built up the courage to finally place my bets. With your advice and great confidence, I placed my first bet against Eddie 
I'm the fake Newton. Yeah. And God damn it, yeah. Ralph. Sorry. I put all my stuff on the line. I pawned off my belongings. Oh, no. I put up my car. Oh, no. My house. Ugh. My dog. Oh. My first board. Oh, no. My wife. And I sold my soul to the devil. Mm. I lost everything. I trusted you. And you betrayed me. Oh, well. I guess I can still sell my body. True. Maybe the next round will go better. Yeah. <laughs> Double or nothing. LNB. Ladies and gentlemen, he wrote that out, apparently. That sounded scripted to me, and i got to say, I appreciate the effort. He put some effort in on that one. Yeah, I feel bad about that. Sorry. (laughs) Maybe I shouldn't chime in anymore. I should just let the chips fall where they may. uh, Let the people decide and stay out of it. You don't want to skew people's bets. I did, and it it turned out badly. Uh, While we're talking about figs and fig newtons, Mm -hmm. another topic that we got an onslaught of contact over was figs and how they're pollinated. Did you get any of these No, stories? I got none of this. Well, it's probably for the they best, because this might put you, you off it? fig newtons when you hear from people like Fabian here. Hi, Eddie. Hi, Ralph. This is Fabian, a four-star general. So I was listening to uh, the show, and I heard that uh, Eddie likes fig newtons. Um, I'm here to uh, ruin it for uh, everyone. <laughs> If you don't already know what fig new, uh, what goes inside figs, well, a part of the uh, fruit bearing process, and I know this because I'm Mexican, what? is <laughs> there are wasps that lay eggs inside figs, which help the tree bear fruit. So every fig has eggs inside of them okay. that with bugs that are necessary for figs. Mm-hmm. So you are never going to eat, or I, guess, I, don't, I won't say never, but you're more often than not going to eat a fig made out of bugs. Love you. Okay. Mean it. Bye. All right. Or LMB, lick my bugs. Lick, lick your bugs. <laughs> lick your bu- <laughs> to Fabian and everyone else out there to whom a little information is a dangerous thing, let me tell you exactly what happens with figs. Here's the story of figs. Figs are basically, the fig, the fruit itself, is basically a flower with all the flower stuff on the inside, as if the petals are folded inward instead of outward. Okay. So in order to be pollinated, you know how bees will land on a, on a, on a flower right. and carry the pollen with it to another flower, yeah. and that's how, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how the, the, the plant life goes forward as it's pollinated, right? In order for that to happen, there is something called the fig wasp, that crawls inside a fig, and yes, the female will lay eggs, but then those eggs will hatch, and then the figs, wasps will leave that fig. But the female has done her job because she has pollinated, she has left a fig already, so she is pollinating that fig with the pollen from a fig plant. Right. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes the female who lays the eggs, and, the, and they do escape, she will die inside that fig. But when you're biting into the fig, or you're biting into a fig newton and you get those crunchy bits, you're not eating wasps, okay? And you're not eating eggs. And don't take my word for it. Here's from a professional fig person who's got all the information. This is our new segment called Fig Facts, okay? Good news for us, an enzyme inside the fig called ficin breaks down her corpse into protein. So it just ingests the dead wasp and makes it part of the delicious ripened fruit for us to eat. 
Just so we're clear, those crunchy bits you're chewing in figs are not bits of dead wasp or larva. They really are the fig's seeds. And anyway, you should probably get used to the idea of occasionally eating an insect by accident. The FDA considers certain amounts of insect content in various foods natural and unavoidable. There you go. Yeah. Okay. So the, the fig actually breaks down the fig wasp inside of it and dissolves it and absorbs it into its plant wow. as nutrients. You did so much fig research. Because it ticks me off, because I've heard about this wives' tale forever. It's like, you know, when you eat a fig, you're eating bugs, because the thing is filled with bugs and bug eggs. All right. It's like bubble yum. Remember bubble yum was filled with spider eggs yeah, or I something? There's that. all these kind of rumors. Well, I've, I've kind of accepted the fact that out your lifetime, you're just going to eat a certain amount of bugs. Right. It's just going to... And like, so what? You eat like eight spiders in your lifetime or something like that while so you're that's sleeping. That's another old wives' right. tale. Oh, they crawl in your mouth and yeah, then but they, I'm fine with they it. eat them and they make eggs and then you got earworms and they burrow into your skull. It's like everyone needs to calm the fuck down about the bugs. So everyone who tried to contact me about figs and warn me about how we're all eating bugs when you eat a fig newton... Oh, you still a bunch of facts in their face. Just stop it. Just <laughs> I Fig just facts. schooled you. Just dropped some science on your ass. Speaking of science, this young lady is concerned about the folks who listen to our show at one and a half speed. You know, uh -huh. people who listen to us sped up sped so they up. can get through the show quicker. It's a lot of show. She's very concerned. I am legit concerned for the people who are listening to the Ralph Report at 1.5 speed. That cannot be good. For you, your brain, your state of mind, let's all band together and have a, a, an intervention for these people. <laughs> Why is it that important that you listen to it in one sitting? If you're that committed, get a job that's farther away right? so that you have more time Increase your or <laughs> just create more time in your day. It's... It's a little concerning. I just listened to that Pitbull song at 1.5, yes. and I wanted to stab myself in the face because yeah. my brain could not take it. Plus, it was Pitbull. So That's I just want to say a prayer for all those lost souls who feel it is so important to listen to that. Your show at 1.5, that's crazy. Love you, mean it, bye. Actually, there was an article in Wired Magazine that says it does affect your brain, when you listen to stuff consistently sped up. Really? It, it decreases your attention span. So when you hear stuff at regular speed. It's too slow for it you. Start, you start to get on your nerves. You start to get antsy because you're used to digesting oh, audio I material could, that I quicker. I could see that. So it may not necessarily be good for I you. I could see that. However, I'm not going to stop it. You're paying for it. You can, nah, you can stick it in your veins for all I care. You can mainline it. <laughs> You could you could take it as an enema. Put it between right. your toes. However you want to absorb the show, does that it, is your choice. Does it affect the timing of our jokes? If you speed I'm sure up the it timing? does. Oh, yeah. I'm sure it does. Some people would say, what jokes? And some people would say, what timing? But I like to think that the conversation has a certain natural flow it's to it. It's got a it rhythm to it, That right? would be off if, if you speed, you it, speed up. it up. But look, again. You're, they're the customer. Whatever. The customer's always right, Eddie. Once, they buy, it from, once they buy it from you, whatever they do with it is their business. That's right. I do a deep background check, but once I sell them the weapon, I'm not responsible <laughs> exactly. for what they do. Uh, like Rob McLaughlin, by the way. He sent an email in, and he had a suggestion after he heard Pitbull at 1.5. Oh. He said, you should speed up John Cooperman's holiday or holiday theme. That's a well, real that, joy at 1.5. That 1. would be 5. interesting. Well, you tell me how interesting it is. I did it for you. So here's uh, John Cooperman's famous holiday or holiday <laughs> theme, a little bit sped up. Holiday. 
on holiday. Wow, I oh, like that's it. That's good. Really it gets moves, it over with really quicker. It moves too. along, doesn't it? Oh, <laughs> poor John. I heard it like live. He did it for me live at that show last week. Well, you're amongst the lucky yeah, ones. Yeah, we are. Now, some people think the, the other way about the show. Some people think the show should be slowed down. Really? Eddie. Believe it or not, CJ's got a recommendation. Hey, Ralph, it's CJ. On the flip side, on that guy who sped up the podcast to save time, you guys should listen to yourselves in half speed. <laughs> Basically, it sounds like how Eddie would sound like if he was drunk. It's like a drunken conversation between the two of you guys, especially when you're describing what Eddie wouldn't eat. It'll be Eddie going, I'm not going to eat that. That's disgusting. And Ralph going, well, it's delicious. LMB. Thank you, CJ. Well, I took CJ's suggestion as well. So here is a, uh, a heated conversation between Eddie and myself fighting over kombucha. Remember Ooh, our big oh, yeah. kombucha conversation? Yeah, I remember that one last Well, week. I was all pro-bacteria and you were all anti-bacteria. <laughs> This is that same conversation, but slowed down to about 50% of its normal speed. And I think CJ's got a point. Kombucha's gross. Kombucha's awesome. No. Eddie. I've tried it. It's gross. <laughs> it's so good for you, No, too. it's not. They just say it is right Why now. Why do you? In two years, it'll be something else. It's got all kinds of good bacteria in it for your gut. I don't. So many good things. I don't know about introducing bacteria into your body. (laughs) On purpose. Your digestive system functions Mm, on bacteria. I. Without gut bacteria, nothing gets done in I your body. I got plenty of gut bacteria. You don't. I'm fine. I'm fine. It's like trying to take the keys away from a guy who's oh headed out to the parking lot. Oh, my God. That's the funniest thing I've ever heard. I'm fine. I got plenty of gut bacteria. Oh, CJ, you're my hero, man. I oh, never would have done that if it wasn't for you. Amazing. Thank you, boss. <laughs> And lastly, we've got the first way to come from of the week. Here is the question for Monday. Hey, Ralph. Hey, Eddie. Great show. I just want to let you know I love you guys. I had a question, Ralph. I was watching Spider-Man Homecoming and Iron Man told Spider-Man that he really screwed the pooch. Mm-hmm. And I hate that thing because it makes me think that someone's effing their dog. Did someone F their dog? Is that where that comes from? I mean, I know... Reggie might want to do that with Steve Ashton, but that kind of grosses me out. So can you let me know what is the meaning of that phrase and where did it come from? Thanks, LMB. You really screwed the pooch on that one. We've all heard that phrase one time or another. Where did it come from? Well, luckily, we've got a segment dedicated to just such a question. Where did it come from? Where did it go? Where did it come from? We want to know. Where did it come from? Say it ain't so. Where did it come from? I'll fucking build up. The phrase, you really screwed the pooch, owes its popularity to the Tom Wolfe book, The Right Stuff, from 1979, which is all about the Mercury space program. Mm -hmm. And then consequently, it was also used in the 1983 film adaptation as well, where Gus Grissom, played by Fred Ward, is about to become the second American in space with his fellow astronaut Gordon Cooper, played by Dennis Quaid. And Dennis Quaid warns him, just make sure you don't screw the pooch, Gus. 
Now, where did this phrase come from? Well, Wolf was basically documenting the actual language of test pilots who became the Mercury astronauts in the early 60s. So, uh, screw the pooch was used by military guys in the 60s, but it goes back long before that. It goes back to 1935, actually. There's a, there's a, uh, a novel called A World to Win where it is referenced, but the reference is a little more coarse than the one that they ended up using in the 60s. The original phrase was, you really fucked the dog, <laughs> believe it or not. So sadly for that young lady who gets freaked out by the idea of that phrase, that's exactly where it came Fuck from. The dog. You really fucked the dog. <laughs> and that comes from a World War I era phrase, you fed the dog, meaning you basically were lazy or you were shirking your duties. If you said, oh, what did you do, feed the dog? What did you go do, walk the dog? Right. Those phrases were uh, simultaneously used in World War One for somebody who was off doing something they shouldn't have been yeah. doing, wasting time. Taking a smoke break or something. Instead yeah. of taking care of their duties. So feed the dog or walk the dog eventually morphed into someone who really screwed something up. So instead of feeding the dog, they fucked, fucked the, fuck the, dog. the dog. They really screwed things up. And so fuck the dog was actually the phrase the dog? used in the 30s. <laughs> and then eventually they tried to find a euphemism that was a little bit more palatable and could be used more in regular conversation so people wouldn't bristle nearly as much. And so fuck the dog eventually morphed into screw the pooch. Screw the pooch. So I'm sorry, darling, but yes... Screw the pooch is exactly what you think it means. Somebody <laughs> doing something, it's a heinous mistake, which I think fucking a dog would be, yeah, quite frankly. Yeah, I think frankly. that'd be an awful, awful thing to do. Anyway, that's where it came from. Where did it come from? Where did it go? Where did it come from? We want to know. Where did it come from? Say it ain't so. Where did it come from? I'll fucking build all righty, it's time to take a look at the big calendar here in the Batcave Wall and see what holidays are associated with this day, Monday, January 21st, in a segment we call, should I play the fast one? Yes, yeah. please. In a segment we call Holiday or Holiday. Now imagine what that's going to sound like to the people who listen to the show at 1.5 <laughs> oh speed. The chipmunks are doing Their it. Their heads are going to explode. <laughs> Uh, today, of course, is first and foremost Martin Luther King Jr. Day. American clergyman, activist, and of course leader in the African-American civil rights movement. Best known for his role in the advancement of civil rights using nonviolent civil disobedience, but also a powerful speaker. His many speeches, of course, uh, moved a lot of hearts and minds in this country yep. around that time. And then he was tragically slain, of course. But we do celebrate him on this day. So happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day, everybody. If you're a listener here in the States, you're probably off today. Yeah, you are off today. So you can probably yeah. listen to the show at your leisure. You don't right. have to speed it up. Normal speed. A lot of kids are out of school. Eddie, your kids are out My of school. My kid's been kid out, of out of school for a week Because the teachers day. are on strike. <laughs> your kid may never go back he to school. You might not ever You might have school. to homeschool your kid. <laughs> Can you imagine that? I'll come over and teach him about figs. Would you? I'll do, do a that? little. I'll do a little teach fig. Him figs drop some fig facts on him. And fucking the dog. Yes, I'll teach him all the important things in life. Today is also International Sweatpants Day. Mm. Oh, I do like me a good pair of sweatpants. I haven't worn sweatpants in a long time. Really? Yeah. What do you wear when you relax? I just wear jeans. That's relaxing to I you. I don't. Putting I, the jeans on. My wife gets on me too for it. But like, I wake up in the morning, I just throw my jeans on. I Your wife them. gets on you for wearing jeans? Well, because she she doesn't. What does like, she want you in a tux around the house? No, pajama pants, like what, like lingerie. Oh, I around see. The house. Like, I'll lay around on the couch in jeans. I don't put on. Seems sweatpants. acceptable to me. I would think so, but I get in trouble. Better than just it. having your balls out. I, exactly. Yeah, I like me sweatpants. Yeah. I like sweat shorts too. They're I like really comfy. 
Uh, anyway, we celebrate <laughs> sweatpants on this day. The first pair of sweatpants was introduced in the 1920s. Really? Yes, by a guy named Emile Camusset. He was the founder of Le Coq Sportif. Le Coq. Le Coq. Yeah. L-E-C-O-Q. Sportif. He was uh, <laughs> a, 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 a fashion guy, as you can imagine. Right. And he put together a simple knitted gray jersey pant that allowed athletes to stretch and run comfortably. Yeah. And so ever since then, it's been traditional that sweatpants come in that gray color. It, like was just, the, it was just a random choice on his part, but just, it's become the stuff of legend, the, more or less. Yeah, it's sweatshirt gray. That's right? sweatshirt gray. But yeah. I, uh, for that long period of time, like in middle school, you couldn't wear sweatpants because of boners. You know? Yes, exactly. Like from sixth grade to about junior in high school, I could not wear sweatpants. Trust me, still haunts me to this day. <laughs> in the morning, if I go to bed in my oh sweatshorts my and I wake up, <laughs> I'm at full attention. I and mean, that is full on pitching a tent. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, put on some sweatpants today. You got the day off. It's Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Put on your sweatpants. Reach back and get a boner. Get a boner Pitch and a tent. watch television and relax. Make sure the kids aren't around. <laughs> uh, speaking of boners, it's National Hugging Day. Oh. Now we just had National She Can Hug a Dude Day or something. This is not yeah. this is non-gender specific. This oh, is just, just hug National anybody? Hugging Day. You can hug anybody who needs a hug. It was started by Reverend Kevin Zaborny in Cairo, Michigan, or Cairo, Michigan. Anyway, he said uh, hugs are important. Everyone needs a hug, whether it's a family member or a stranger. Eh, yeah, good luck hugging a stranger. Not a good idea in not this a day good and idea. age. No. no. And even weirder, I think, than hug anybody you want day is Squirrel Appreciation Day. Really? Most people hate squirrels. I think, yes. Most people hate them. Maybe that's why they thought they needed an appreciation day. <laughs> I mean, most people hate squirrels. There are something like 200 different species of squirrel, but they all fall into three categories. That's how they break down squirrels. There's the ground squirrel. Right. Is that the chipmunk? Which is basically like a rat. Like a chipmunk, right? It's vermin. They they are a pain in the ass. They mostly live, luckily, out in the the prairies and stuff like that. But anything that scurries around on the ground looks like a squirrel. That's a ground squirrel. That's a ground squirrel. Okay. Then you got your tree squirrels. That's Those the are the adorable, cute ones who live in your ones. neighborhood who are running up and down your fence making your dog crazy. The ones most people hate. Do people hate them? I think so. Why? I've met, I don't know. Because they get everywhere and they... I don't know. They're, they're kind of cute, I think. If you have any sort of bird seed in the backyard... Yeah, they will eat your they bird They will seed. go over and destroy your birdhouse. They will do that. So if you've got a birdhouse, then you hate <laughs> the squirrels. And I've heard also that they, uh, they, they, they bite through, they gnaw stuff, and so they can gnaw cable line and stuff like that. For If you've got cable television yeah. and things like that, sometimes. If they, they ever get in your attic, too, they can like, chew through things. Yeah, yeah. Siding on yeah. the house. And then they got the cool ones, the flying squirrels, of course. Those are badass. Those are badass. Those are badass. They don't actually fly, anybody who wants to correct no. me. I know. They've just got flaps of skin under their arms so they can glide. When they jump, they can, can leap long distances. They fly like Batman flies. Exactly, yeah. So <laughs> it's Squirrel Day, I guess. Okay. Yeah, why not? All right. I like squirrels. I don't have a problem with squirrels, really. And then, of course, you know, I saved the food-related holidays for the end because, unfortunately, like that guy who I cost him everything. He cost him everything. He cost man. him everything. He's selling his body on the streets tonight. Because we like to play a little game where we guess whether Eddie will eat something or not. It's always fascinating. And just when you think you got Eddie all figured out. Figs come along. Fig Newtons come <laughs> along, and your whole world gets turned upside down. So don't take anything for granted. But it is time, once again, to test out our man Eddie Pence and see if he will eat the food celebrated on this day. January 21st, it is National Banana Bread Day. National Banana Bread. It is a cake slash bread 
that is made with over-ripened bananas. What is the origin of that, you might ask? Well, in 1929, during the Depression, in hard times, food was hard enough to come by, but you certainly didn't throw away anything that was rotting. So if you, if you had some overly ripe bananas, let's call them, not necessarily rotting, but maybe they were brown. Things you wouldn't eat normally. It just maybe you don't eat, feel like eating the brown banana. But if you take the brown banana and you mash it up into the cake mix and you make yourself a big loaf of banana bread, everybody's happy. In 1930s, it made its first appearance in print in a, uh, a popular cookbook, started to carry the recipe. And then in 1950, of course, the Chiquita Banana Company released a recipe book for banana foods and banana bread's popularity soared in the 50s with the publishing of that recipe. And so, all that being said, we have to turn our eyes to Eddie Pence and see whether he would be interested in eating banana bread or not. Again, I am not going to try to sway you one way or the other because I got so badly burned on the Fig Newton. If I were trying to sway you, I would say, treat, please remember the general rule of thumb how Eddie Pence feels about fruit and a cake or pastry mix. I would just use that as a guideline, as a rule of thumb. Seems like you're pushing the needle a little bit. I'm just saying if I were okay. to have an opinion, right. that's the way I would lean, but I'm staying out of this. You're all grown-ass people, and you can make your own choice. Let's pull the slot machine handle and see whether Eddie Pence will eat banana bread or not. Here we go. There's one loaf, two loaves. What? <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Come on. You've ruined people again, Ralph. You've ruined them. Come on, Eddie. <sighs> Banana bread. That dude's losing fingers now. He's betting fingers. Now, he's you're, fingers. now you're just fucking with us. Now you're just no, going like against bread. anything I say. No, banana bread's good. I like you banana. like banana bread. I do bread. like banana bread. Especially throw some nuts in it, banana nut bread. Oh, my God. You hate nuts. I know I do, but you put them in banana bread. I'm all over it. You. It makes no sense. You are a man of no rules, man. You're, I, a, you're an outlaw. Yeah, it's, you're a loose it's cannon. no rhythm or rhyme. You, the banana nut bread at Starbucks is really good. Well, there you go, boys and girls. Well, I, like I don't that. know what to do. I, 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 my moral compass has it's been all... shattered. I have no idea what's you're going on. You're a drift at sea. I am. Oh, I'm a lonely, confused man at this point. Anyway, Eddie Pence there you go. eats banana bread. All Who grown could have guessed? All grown's up. That is today's holiday or holiday. Holiday or holiday, please tell me what we celebrate, Ralph Garman. All right, now it's time to take a look at all the entertainment news with a segment I call the show Biz Beat. On Mondays, what we like to do is take a look at all the box office numbers to see what people went to see in the movie theaters over the weekend. Number one this weekend was Glass. I'm surprised. People a, giving M. Night Shyamalan another chance. I've heard a lot of bad things. About I've heard a lot of bad yeah. things as well, but it didn't stop people, at least on opening weekend. Yeah, we'll see next Curiosity week. was peaked enough to drive people to the theaters, and it made over $40 million wow. in its opening weekend. Damn. Number two was The Upside, made another $15.6 million, the Kevin Hart, Brian Cranston film. And then at number three was a movie that I didn't even see on the radar. We didn't even talk about this last week. It's an animated film based on the Dragon Ball Z universe called Dragon Ball Super. Broly is the name of it, and it was number three at the box really? office. Well, animated. Yeah. Usually gets and dra the whole Dragon Ball franchise has too. a lot of fans as well. I had no idea. Made uh, $10.6 million. Was good enough to make it number three this weekend. Aquaman continued to stay in the top five with $10.3 million. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse 
made $7.2 million. That was good enough to keep it at number five. A Dog's Way Home came in at number six. Then Escape Room, Mary Poppins Returns, Bumblebee, and On the Basis of Sex, the Ruth Bader Ginsburg biopic came in at number 10. Well, this is good news. Somebody getting their just desserts. R. Kelly has been dropped by Sony Music. Yeah. Sony released a statement saying, We have decided to dissolve our working relationship with R. Kelly. <laughs> just say it plain. You dropped him you because dropped he's him. a pervert and he keeps people against their will and he pees on people. It only took 20 years. And this is something, by the way, that everyone knew about this guy always. Everybody made it, pee jokes about R. Kelly. Until this documentary aired on A&E, no one ever did anything about it. I don't understand it. why it took that to knock to not to stop them to start them into the process of investigating what happened. I it guess makes no sometimes sense. you just have to make it such a bold statement that no one can possibly ignore it anymore. Because yeah. up till now it's been mostly whispered and joked about and But it was it was the topic of jokes and sketches as like Chris Rock and Neil Dave Brennan, Chappelle. Dave Chappelle. Yeah. Like Look, I know. That's but crazy. I guess it was the hard cold facts of the documentary that finally got people's attention. Anyway, uh, his reps say it's not a problem because several other record labels are very interested in working uh-huh. with R. Kelly. Right. So, yeah, let us know when that happens. <laughs> Meanwhile, Pete Davidson was on Saturday Night Live this weekend for the first time since his very public suicide threat that he did via social media yes. made everybody upset. And he made some jokes about it. I got to tell you, this guy gets knocked down, but he seems to take it pretty well. He made jokes about the Ariana Grande breakup. Yeah. He made jokes this weekend about his very public suicide threat, at least. Uh, I thought it was kind of funny how they did it. They brought him out on Weekend Update, and he said he wanted to talk about something that really mattered to him, and everyone assumed he was going to be talking about mental health. Instead, he said he wanted to talk about The Mule, the, the new Mule. movie star. Well, John Mulvaney Clint did Eastwood. it with him, right? So Mulvaney came out. He was really funny. The two of them were talking together on uh, Weekend Update. If you didn't see it, here's a little piece of the two of them from the show. But for real, I've been spending time with Pete uh, to try to show him that you can have a life in comedy that is not insane. Uh, A sober, domestic life. Yeah, and uh, after observing John's life, uh, I publicly threatened suicide. (laughs) You gotta give it to him, he's got a sense of humor. He does. About himself and about his own weaknesses, for sure. But without John Mulvaney sitting next to him, I don't know if that segment is very funny. Oh, I agree. To be honest. Look, don't get me wrong, I still don't think he's much of a talent or belongs on to be on that show. Yeah. But I don't want anything bad to happen. No, to I either. absolutely do so not. Either. If that helps him work through it, no, then good I'm all for it. Uh, this is some sad news. Andy Vina, a uh, very successful producer from Hungary, has passed away at the age of 74. You may not know the name, but you know his work. Not only did he produce the Rambo films, but the Terminator films and Total Recall. Damn. We don't have Schwarzenegger and Stallone as action stars, more or less, if it wasn't for this guy putting up the money. Those are linchpins of the 80s. It really were. And he was the guy who saw the international possibilities for these guys and the kinds of film they were making. Wow. Yeah. It was a huge film. He, along with his partner Mario Casar, started uh, Carolco. Remember Carolco I do remember, yes. He he was Carolco Oh, my God. So, luckily for him, we got uh, Terminator 2 and uh, the first three Rambo films. Basic Instinct was also How is he not a household name? I think because he was, first of all, foreign. He was from Hungary, and he worked mostly pre-selling films in the international market. That was his specialty. So, he wasn't really known uh, so much by anyone outside the local Hollywood community. But, very talented guy, and without him... You don't have, uh, you know, all these things that we all love, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know. You drew first blood, you know? 
Without him, I don't do those impressions, probably. Exactly. I what, owe that guy. Where are you without that guy? Exactly. While we're talking about movies, <laughs> Leslie Jones has come out and said she's not happy with the announcement about the new Ghostbusters sequel. I don't know if you saw this on social no, media not. or not. Oh, boy. She has to recognize that movie was garbage, right? I don't think she does. She not doesn't. judging from her tweet. Someone said uh, something about the Ghostbusters sequel that, of course, you know by now, was announced by Jason Reitman, Ivan's son. He's going forward, and he's going to have a brand-new Ghostbusters sequel to the original films in 2020. And she said, it's so insulting. She said, like, her version didn't count, she said. It's like something Trump would do, she said. Going to redo Ghostbusters. Better with men will be huge. Those women ain't Ghostbusters. Ugh, so annoying. Such a dick move. I don't give a fuck. I'm saying something, she said. Uh, no. Listen, if your movie had been good and a hit, we absolutely would be talking about a second Ghostbusters movie with they, you and that other kid. They had plans for sequels before the movie even premiered, and then they scrapped all that stuff because right. the movie sucks so bad. It was a colossal failure, and that's on you. And by the way, she was the worst thing in that bad film. And aren't there? Aren't isn't the cast two females and two males in this new one? It's I believe not all, it is. All male I believe Ghostbusters. the kids of the of the Ghostbusters, who I assume will be taking over, getting the torch passed to them, will be uh, happening. And people, fans wanted to see a continuation in that universe. They didn't want a reboot. Look, I think everyone with. except for her understands what's going on, but she seems to be taking it personally. It's not, don't compare that to anything Trump would do. That's yeah, absurd. That's, that's, that's absurd. That's a low blow. It's absurd. Over the weekend, if you're a boxing fan, you may have seen Manny Pacquiao take on Adrian Broner for the WBA Welterweight Championship. Did you see any of that? Fight? I did not. Are you a fight fan at I'm all? I'm not really a boxer. I do. Fan. I like boxing. Uh, I did not see this myself either because I didn't want to pay the price. I, I, thought, I thought it was going to turn out pretty much the way it did, which is Manny Pacquiao was going to work him. Yeah. Uh, this guy's a big talker and not much of a fighter, but he's got a mouth on him. He's famous for his pregame hype. Talk about how he's one of the best that ever put on the gloves, right. and he's the greatest. And Pacquiao's a very soft-spoken guy, doesn't do a lot of that. But still, at the age of 40, Still has fast hands and can move around really well. And it, it ended up the way I thought it was going to. It went the distance, but it ended up going to Manny Pacquiao in a decision. Okay. What people are talking about even more than the fight, however, is the after-fight interview in the ring with Jim Gray from HBO Boxing. Or is it Showtime? I don't know which one it was. Showtime, Showtime. I think it is. Yeah. Jim Gray interviews Manny Pacquiao. It's very, uh, very even-tempered. And as you can imagine, it was a, a perfectly fine interview. Then he goes up to Adrian Broner. Wow. This guy, I brought in the tape because you won't believe how he goes off. And how he ends the interview is, well, it's nothing short of spectacular. Adrian. Yeah, bring your motherfucking ass over here. I got a lot to say. We're going to conduct this professionally or we're not going to have an interview. You make the decision. What did you think about the fight? What you, I beat him. Everybody out there know I beat him. Everybody out there know I beat him. I controlled the fight. He was missing. I hit him clean more times. I beat him. You averaged eight punches. Less than eight punches was the most punches that you had in the round, and it seemed as though you couldn't get it close like, enough. It already sounded like you was against me. So I already ain't, I already, I already ain't got a fair facts. shake talking to you. But let me talk something. Let me let y'all know. I want to thank the whole hood who came out here. I love y'all. I did this for the hood. Y'all know I beat that boy. Y'all know I beat that boy. They trying to, what they trying to do is they trying to get that money again with Pacquiao and um, Floyd. But it's cool. I ain't worrying about it. I'm still that nigga, man. I'm on top Cincinnati. Stand up. West side. Two, five. You're three, three, and one in your last seven fights. What will you do next? Hey, I'm three, three, and one in my last seven, but I'll be seven, no against you. 
Well, that wouldn't mean much. That's the end of this interview. Good luck to you in the future. Oh, my God. <laughs> he promises that he could beat 65-year-old, old, withered, white guy Jim Gray in a boxing match. That's his comeback. Oh, I love Jim Gray's comeback. <laughs> that wouldn't matter much. I could beat you. Why? How is that an answer? Why did he say Cincinnati than West Side? West Cincinnati, I guess. Oh, West Cincinnati I guess, I guess there's a different side to Cincinnati. You can like, live on the West side. Like Kevin Hart. That's what I, exactly it. what I was thinking. The reason I wanted to play it, I said it sounds like a Kevin Hart character. It does. And the words coming out of his mouth sound like insane. Kevin Hart. Like no one would say that if they weren't trying to do a ridiculous character. But isn't that part of boxing is being the showman and trying to get the next fight and getting tickets up and by doing you talk crap to do that? Absolutely. I mean, but you got to come up with something better than I can beat the announcer's <laughs> <Jim> ass. <laughs> I can beat up Jim Gray. I can beat up Jim Gray. It has nothing to do with whether I should be a boxer oh my or God. not. That's amazing. Yeah, it was pretty spectacular. All right, let's take a look at today's celebrity birthdays. All these stars born on this day, January 21st, starting with opera singer Placido Domingo. He is 78 years old today. Now, I don't feature a lot of opera here on the Ralph Report, Eddie. I don't know if you're aware of that or not. Opera not being my specialty. Sometimes I wish I liked opera because for me, it's almost like, like golf on television. I can see that it takes a lot of skill yeah. to be able to do it well. You appreciate what they're doing, but, but I have I... zero interest in what they're doing or the outcome of yeah. what they're doing. Yeah. No, I and I feel you. the same way when I watch or listen to opera. I can tell there's an enormous amount of technique in doing that well, but boy, do I not care. <laughs> I feel that way about soccer. So with that in mind, <laughs> let me play a little of uh, Placido <laughs> Domingo, one of the great tenors of all time, yeah. or so I'm told. <laughs> There you go. I feel like I can get enough opera. My, I can get my opera feel by watching enough car commercials. I feel if you watch enough car commercials, you can get your feel. True. They do use a lot of, of opera. opera. That and Bugs Bunny cartoons <laughs> uses a lot of opera, too. Uh, Jill Eikenberry, very talented actress. She is 72 years old today. Used to be one of the stars of a show called L.A. Law that I enjoyed back in the day. Speaking of back in the day, do you remember an actor-singer named Mac Davis? Davis. Mac Davis familiar. was a movie star for a hot minute. He had his own television series. I guess this all happened pretty what much in the series? 70s. It was called The Mac Davis Show. No, it was no, a variety no. show. He had it on his own. In the movies, did you ever see North Dallas 40 with Nick yeah. Nolte? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the quarterback. He played the okay, quarterback. Okay, okay. Now I know who he, is. he was the star of Sting 2. They made a sequel to The Sting. <laughs> I remember this and they too. didn't have Redford or Newman, so they actually recast those roles. Talk about a bad idea. One guy was Mac Davis, who played the Redford role, and the Newman role went to Jackie Gleason. I it's kid like you not. Coy and Vance Duke. Yeah, it was a bad idea. Uh, but he also had a lot of hit songs. He started off his career writing for Elvis Presley. He wrote uh, In the Ghetto for Presley, Little Less Conversation, Memories, Don't Cry Daddy, and then he started his own career. Those are great songs. All great songs. He, was a really, he is a real talented uh, songwriter. He had this song on his own that was probably his biggest charting hit. Just keep it friendly, girl, because I don't want to leave. Don't start clinging to me, girl, because I can't breathe. Baby, baby, don't get hooked on me. Baby, baby, don't get hooked on me. 
there was a lot of those kind of songs in the 70s, like, let's just have sex and be friends and let, don't get romantically involved with me. There was a lot of those. Uh, actually, early in my career, I was in a TV movie called What Price Victory about college football, and Mac Davis played the coach of the, uh, the team in that song. There you go. He's 77 years old today. <laughs> Actor Robbie Benson, speaking of sports films, he is 63. Do you remember that basketball movie he made? Oh, Which, what the hell was it called? He, play, he, gets, a, he gets a scholarship, and uh, the coach is a real dick. Oh, man, what the hell is that name of that film? That's going to make me crazy. All right, please hold. We know your time is valuable. Thank you for holding. Someone will be with you as soon as possible. And we're back. The film was called One on One, legendary, uh, like a like coming of age sports film. Yeah. But he was also an ode to Billy Joe. He was in Ice Castles, for God's sakes. He was almost Luke Skywalker, as a matter of fact. He really? tested for that role. Oh wow! And then he became the voice of the Beast in the legendary animated Disney film Beauty and the Beast. So there's more than you ever wanted to know. That is a lot about Robbie Benson. You and Figs and <laughs> Robbie Benson. DJ Chris Gilmore of Incubus is 46 years old today. Here's a little taste. Whatever tomorrow brings, I'll be there. With open arms and open eyes, yeah. Whatever tomorrow brings, I'll be there. I'll be there. See? The greatest hits of today and yesterday. Right it's there on the here. Ralph Report. 15 cents a day. Gina Davis is 63 years old today. Singer-songwriter Billy Ocean celebrates his 69th oh, get my birthday. Car. Get out of my dreams. Get out of my dreams. Get, get into, my, into car. my car. That's what it is. Get in the backseat. And remember baby. Caribbean Queen? Who could oh, forget yeah. Caribbean Queen? Going gets tough. The, the tough gets was going. Romance, it was a Jewel and Nile, the uh, sequel. It was a sequel. I believe it was for Jewel the second Nile, film, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. He had a lot of hits the back in the day. Going. Celebrating his 69th birthday today, actress Charlotte Ross from NYPD Blue is 51. And singer Emma Bunton. Oh, this is going to make Steve Ashton nuts. <laughs> of the Spice Girls. She is 43 years old today. I don't care. I still love the Spice Girls. Steve Ashton, how can you not love the Spice Girls? Can't believe they're touring again. I'm super excited. Have they come to LA? Well, they're just now talking about the UK arm of the tour. Oh, okay. But if they do to come to the United States, they gotta come gotta to go. Los Angeles. Right? Oh, well, to go. that goes without saying. But I'm hoping they come to LA so I don't have to rack up my frequent flyer miles by going somewhere else in the country. But if I have to, I will. You should go to the UK and drag Steve Ashton. Oh, that would be so That's good. What you have to do. See them in their natural habitat, as it were. <laughs> That's it for all the celebrity birthdays today. I'm Ralph Garman. I walk the showbiz beat.
And speaking of girl power, we've got Wonder Woman on the show today. She started back in, I don't know, the early 2000s with Justice League and yep. then Justice League Animated. Yep. She's done the voice a ton of times in direct-to-video movies for Warner Brothers. She's got another one coming out this year called Justice League versus The Fatal Five. So it was a joy to talk with Susan Eisenberg. My first time really seeing and meeting her face-to-face. She is so charming, has one of the greatest laughs I've ever heard. We had a blast together. Here is the first chapter of my interview all week long with Susan Eisenberg. Well, this is a special day. I've never had a princess on my show before. But here she is, the Amazonian princess of voiceover, Susan Eisenberg. Hi, Susan. (laughs) I love that introduction. Well, it's absolutely true. (laughs) I was thinking, we're going to get into this in a little bit. I want to do the whole story. We'll get into Wonder Woman. But I was thinking, you have to be the longest actor to have ever played that character now at this point, right? I think so. I think so, because I, I booked the job, I think, in 2000. Wow, so, coming up on 20 years, yeah, a little bit. so I think so. And of course, it hasn't been straight through. Right, there have of been course. off years. But you've owned it. Well. <laughs> <laughs> to many of us, you are the quintessential Wonder Woman. Thank you for saying that. I mean, it, it's a really it's a really tricky thing because at the end of the day, you don't have ownership of it. And, it, and it's such an easy character to feel ownership of. Yeah, I'm sure. And um, it's the greatest gig in the world. And yet, you have to be... You know, you have to be generous when other people are voicing her, yeah. um, or at least you try to be, um, because certainly there are a lot of other women doing that. It, yeah, I was... Especially Gal. <laughs> right, yes. Oh, sure, her. her. <laughs> um, I did a little research because I was thinking along those lines, and I looked into Shannon Farner, mm-hmm. Farnan, who mm-hmm. played her in um, Super, Super Friends, Friends yeah. for about a decade. Right. And then, like you said, I mean, someone else came along and she lost the gig. So I guess that's the nature of the beast. But It is. And that's the nature of the business. Yeah. I mean, that's I mean, if you're not comfortable with being fired or replaced or not hired, wrong business. Yeah. Um, because most of the things that you audition for, you're not going to get. Right. So it has been when the Justice League ended, I never expected to do it again, frankly. I mean, I hoped and prayed, sure. but I mean, I didn't think I would. And then I got a call years later about a movie, a straight to DVD. And so that was like the gift from the gods, if you will. And then <laughs> since then, it's been pretty steady. Yeah. We'll talk about her for sure. But I want to get to your origin story, your own origin <laughs> story. A kid out of Rhode Island, right? Providence? Yeah, Providence, Rhode Island. Yeah. Um, Born and raised in New England and used to do radio spots for my dad's business. He had a a retail store in Rhode Island. And I used to go to his – he would appear on these radio programs about once a week. And it was like a local show. And it would be people sitting around talking about local politics. Wow. And then – during the break, there'd be an ad for his business, and I would read the ad on air. And I would, in the rest of the show, I'd just sit back and take it all in. And I fell in love with radio. Hmm. I fell in love with that whole experience. Um, everything about it enchanted me. And, but not, I wasn't like, oh, okay, I'm going to be a voiceover actor when I grow up. But then when I started doing acting and I got some jobs on camera, realized, nah, not so much, don't love the on-camera thing, decided to pursue the voiceover. How old were you when you were reading the spots for your dad? Young. young I was young. in high school. Oh, that is yeah. young. 
Yeah. Did you do theater and stuff in school when you I were did. coming up? I did. So you already had sort of the bug by the time you got there. I did. But more than even that, I just was enamored by show business. Hmm. You know, even as a little girl, like my first concert was Stephen Eady. <laughs> you know, I mean, honest to How God. How quintessential show business. Right? That's old school. Old school. But yeah. that's, and my parents would look at me like, who are you? I'm the youngest of four children. I'm the only one who had that to the degree. I, like, I just loved Carson. I wanted to watch Carson. I fell in love with Sinatra. Saw him many times in concert. You know, I would go see Tony Bennett by myself. Wow, you know, as a kid. You know, as a kid. And then when I was really young, Stephen Eady, my parents took me right, right. Um, to Framingham, Massachusetts to see them. But I mean, it was, you know, the, I just had that um, infatuation with show business and wow. what it and what it embodied and what it entailed. And I just wanted to be a part of it somehow. And California was just like, you know, so romantic to me. Sure. And now that I'm here. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, exactly. No, I remember growing up as a kid in Philadelphia, I would listen to the Beach Boy records mm -hmm. and I would dream someday of being in California mm -hmm. because that's where all the magic was happening. I was the same way as a kid. I used to watch TV shows and movies and I had a tangential relationship to the entertainment business because my father was a sales manager for Paramount Pictures. Mm -hmm. So he booked the films into theaters locally in Philadelphia and Jersey and those places. So I already knew that regular people like me could work for show business in some capacity. Wow, you know? that's unusual. And that's so many people don't hooked. have that sense at all. No, so because that's it's real. so far removed right. for most completely, of us. Yeah. Completely. So as a kid, were you watching TV and movies and saying that's the life for me kind of thing? It was, um, I don't know that I imagined that I'd be a part of it in any capacity, but I was um, obsessed with television and movies and performances and concerts and things like that. I mean, I would literally get the TV guide and memorize it from cover to cover and, and just go through it and bookmark things if there was something fabulous, you know, a concert on PBS or a, a you know, my parents had season tickets to the theater in Providence, Trinity Rep. And, you know, I have all my playbills from that time in my life. Wow. So there was just, again, it wasn't practical. It wasn't like, I'm going to go to school. I'm going to study this. But it was like, I need to be a part of it in some way. I'm not hmm. sure how, but I'm going to be a part of it in some way. And for those who are listening who don't know what the TV guide is... <laughs> There used to be a time when you didn't have a guide on your television. You had to look things up in a book. Um, I, I miss that experience of leafing through it and sort of bookmarking and highlighting, oh, I got to catch that show on Wednesday. I don't want to miss that. Well, and if you missed it, you missed it. That was it. It, it was gone. It was in right. the ether. It was. Yeah. I mean, that, until we got the VCR. Right. Well, kids, <laughs> <laughs> the VCR, see? You know, I mean, it was, it's really a different time. It's, it's like, it's, and so I think you ridiculous. and I are the exact same age. I think we are, yeah. So... That's we, like we, we grew have up the, in that era. Right. Yeah. We have all the same references to all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So you're reading stuff for your dad. Yeah. And you're falling in love with radio. Mm -hmm. At some point, the light bulb has to go off and you say, okay, I'm all in. I'm going to try to pursue a career in this, right? Yes. And what point was that for you? You know, I guess in my mid-20s, I was lucky enough to work for this lovely director, Lamont Johnson, who put me in a movie that oh, I was wow. working on with him as his assistant. And he put me in. It was starred Shelley Long. And I had a bunch of scenes on camera. And I really didn't like it. It made me so anxious and 
nervous. And and again, maybe if I'd given myself some time to grow into it. I think we're all nervous at the at the outset. I'm nervous now. I mean, like we're always nervous. I mean, anyone who's not nervous isn't alive as far as I'm yeah, concerned. Yeah, you don't care if you're not nervous. That's right. what I say. And so, but it, it didn't feel... Like this does, like being in front of a microphone does. Mm. Being in front of a microphone feels so much more natural and comfortable to me than being in front of a camera ever did. And when they would say, just ignore the camera, <laughs> pretend it's not there. I'm like, what are you, yeah, crazy? That, that giant hundred pound box right. in your face. I mean, how do people do that? It's such a gift. It's such an art to be able to just ignore it and yeah. live in front of a camera. So I wasn't able to do that. So... When I, I worked for a lot of people like as assist, as an assistant. So while I was doing all my assistant jobs, I decided to take classes in voiceover. I'd already studied acting. I'd already gone, you know. Is this at American? You went to American University, I went to right? American. I studied acting there. Then I went to the American Academy in New York, studied acting there. And this was all on stage stuff, I assume? Theater? Um, you know what? What's great about those programs um, was that they taught you about your body, your voice. It wasn't just here's a script and go act. Right. Um, it was improv. It was a lot of things. And it was training for all of it, really. And then I went to UCLA um, to take some voiceover classes and get prepared for that because I'd never done anything professionally. I'd done a bunch of things like people would say, hey, you want to do this? You want to, you know, will you do this on my show or blah, blah, blah. But it wasn't professional. It wasn't through the union. Right. And then I got serious and really um, took the class, got a demo reel, got an agent, and then we were off and running. When did you come out to California then? Right out of college. Right out of college. Yep. I went to New York to do the American Academy, and then I went back home, and I got a job for six months at a magazine in there, like as an assistant, mm -hmm. and I was working um, there for six months, and they offered me a promotion, and it was like, okay, do I take the promotion and stay in Boston, which sounded great to me, um, or do I move to Los Angeles? Mm. And my mom said, go to LA. You don't want to be 50. <laughs> and be thinking, Period. right? <laughs> you don't want to be fifty, honey. Ever look at me? Trust me. So yeah, you don't want to be fifty and think, you know, coulda, woulda, shoulda. Go to L.A. So I did, and I never looked back. <laughs> <laughs> More with Susan tomorrow. Also, our UK correspondent Steve Ashton will be calling in tomorrow, and I'm sure yelling at me for celebrating. <laughs> Baby Spice's <laughs> birthday. Also, we're going to play for the first time in 2019 a little game we like to call Sex Term or Small Canadian Town. We haven't played that for a I won, while. I won $5 last yes, time. Yes, you did. Look, <laughs> I'll double it. Let's go for 10 I need to get my money back. Uh, also, the entertainment news, all the shenanigans we have here on the show. We'll be waiting for you tomorrow on Tuesday's brand new The Ralph Report. Come on back, won't you? Because I love you and I mean it. Bye. Bye. <laughs>